We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Inspired by the presence of Captain Jack Youngblood, playing in pain with his broken leg. A savage Ram defense. They hand it to Steven. Great jump cut. 45 feet. There's a whole burst to it. 20. Steps to tackle. Runs left. 25 still in his feet. 46-yard goal by number 39. Running back, number 29, Eric Dickerson. Johnny Hecker. A high school quarterback is going to throw. The fake is on it. He's got a first down to Stephen Bailey. Mike Jones needs a tackle. And the Rams have won the Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Rams Talk Radio with Derek C. Apollo and Michael Stewart. Welcome to Rams Talk Radio. This is Derek C. Apollo with my co-host, my partner in crime, former Los Angeles Rams defensive back, Michael Stewart, covering the two-time Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams. It always sounds nice to say that. I'd rather say three-time or four-time, but one day, one day. Mike, how you doing, buddy? Yeah, man, we are doing well, man. Uh, finally got a little break in this heat wave action. And so, uh, man, I'm living a dream, as you would say, out here in the wonderful state city of Bakersfield, California. So, uh, man, we're excited to uh, get going. I guess I'm excited to get going on some of these thoughts from last week heading into this week. How about you, sir? Well, I, I just chuckle when you say getting rid of the heat wave as, you, as you're down to like the 90s. Right. I mean, that's a, that's still a heat wave to me, man. I mean, I don't know how else to say that. Like you're in the 90s? That's a heat wave. Over here, we're in the 70s, maybe early, you know, lower 80s. And you're 90s? Oh, heat wave's over for now. Well, what? Come on. Seriously? Seriously? I mean, come on. I mean, it's still admit it. It's still a heat wave. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there, I feel a little bit better. Okay, so we're here to preview the, the Falcons Rams. It's um, I guess I'm still a little shell shocked 
at just how poorly the, poorly the Rams performed in their opener. We, I guess, can say that... How do I say it, man? How would you, should, we just, should we just peel back the Band-Aid now? Yeah, I think I so. Mean, all right, they looked horrible. And yeah. I got to say this for real. I hate being right. It's, it probably sounds like I'm just taking you know a hand over here and patting myself in the back. Okay. But when I said last week that the offensive line had those 2019 vibes, and you were with me on that too, by the way. I'll give you that, that back pat too. Um, we weren't kidding. We weren't kidding. And the Buffalo Bills just wrecked our offensive line last week. A 31-10 loss. I had the Rams losing. You had the Rams winning. I didn't have them losing like this. And I think it brings a lot of things into question as we look forward to the rest of the season. We both had them going 12-5. and five. Does that cause you to change your view of the team? Or where you think they'll finish? Can they recover? We got a couple injuries now. What are you thinking? Yeah, there's there's a lot to me that's up in the air at this point. Uh, I still believe they have the ability to end up 12-5. and five. Obviously, they're going to have to string together a number of wins, starting with uh, this Falcon game. But as you noted, the O-line you felt was suspect. I felt the fact that guys hadn't played in the preseason was going to show, and it all it absolutely did. I just didn't think it would show to the point that they would lose at home, you know. Uh, but again, they played a good team. Uh, their team likes to get after it in camp, and it it showed to me it was a big difference in the physicality overall. Yeah, I mean, you know, we've we've talked about this too, by the way, when. In terms of the Rams being physical, and you, we've heard Tommy come on the show and just hammer the Rams for not being tough enough. The irony of that is that once those complaints came out last year about the Rams not being tough enough, they they got, I mean, it's weird, like they toughened up. I mean, they really did. I mean, it just became a gritty, you know, a really gritty, tough team down the stretch. But the Buffalo Bills came in there and just, I mean, let's be honest, pushed them around. Push that offensive line around. They couldn't run. We, you know, we our top a guy who's supposed to be our top running back, Cam Akers, blowing, blowing, blowing block opportunities. I mean, people kept saying, "Why isn't he playing?" And then you look at some of the, of the footage there, and like, okay, yeah, I know I wasn't playing because he wasn't blocking. Right, right, right. I mean, you, we we complain. You and I, we spent a lot of time last year. One of our gripes last year was the Rams getting tunnel vision and not focusing on the running game. Well, I can't blame. The boss, the sideline for not running the football with Cam Akers when Cam ain't blocking. Well, you know, that's a big part of being a running back in the National Football League. It doesn't come down to size or how big you are, how small you are. It comes down to you have to pick up a blitz or block when you are supposed to. Now, are you going to win those against somebody that got 40 pounds on you with a head start? No. But I saw a guy named Charles White, who was probably all of, you know, 185. uh, And I saw him light up some blitzing linebackers in my day. But again, that was a different day. He went to SC, actually played some fullback before he was a tailback. Him, along with Marcus Allen, all those guys. So they actually knew how to block 
as well as run. A lot of these backs now are coming out of college where they've kind of been somewhat one-dimensional. But, yeah, some of those blocks you just can't whiff and you just can't let guys just go just in untouched. If you just get in there and impede their progress, that's going to usually be enough to get a ball out. And they're coming against a team now, the Falcons, who, I mean, they played three quarters of really good football last week. They really did. And before they fell apart, and, and they did fall apart going against you know the Saints in the fourth quarter, but they showed some things that our guest later on um, really was very surprised. Aaron, Aaron Freeman from Lockdown Falcons is going to be on here in a little bit, and he had a lot of things to say. But one of the things that really concerned me about the Falcons heading into this weekend is their defensive line. It's not... You know, he'll tell you, but we'll also say they don't have a Vaughn Miller, but they have some very strong pass rushers up front. And if this beat up Rams offensive line that was not, was I mean, let's, we'll say it, they were not up to the challenge last week. If they don't come out ready to go, I mean, Atlanta's better than we thought they were. And the Rams might not be as, as good as we thought they were. This could, I mean, this could go wrong. I'm not saying it will. I think the Rams will win this game. But, you know, it could not end the way we hope it will. Well, it definitely, as you're, you're alluding to it, causes definitely pause, you know, to, to look at some things and, and really see what's really going on. But even though this is only the second game in the year, this could be one of those games that sets your team on the point the the road to victorious endings or to the road to a a disgusting season that we don't want to see again you know at the nfl level it's the little things and most teams no matter how the owen 16 team is is not that far from the guy that's 15 and one in all retrospects you know obviously there's some people that stand out more than others, but in reality, at that level, it's really about the little things. So it'll be interesting to see how these Rams bounce back. Yeah, I mean, looking at the injury report, Brian Allen's out. Joe, Joe, I mean, as we we believe he's out. He's not playing this week in practice as far. Kind of waiting to see how things turned out for Thursday. But Brian Allen's out. Um, Van Jefferson, we're waiting on him. John Nopum's a big one. We don't know, you know, where he's going to be. Heck, our long snapper, he got hurt. And of course, Leonard Floyd went for pass pressures. That's how that injury report's looking right now. It's not pretty. And, you know, th- those are some. You got two of the five year offensive starters. And, I, you know, Brian Allen is out, as far as we know. Um, that's problematic. That's really problematic. But with those things in mind, and you have Marcus Mariota and Cornero Pat- Patterson coming in there, they're going to try and run. If you are preparing your team to face this Falcons club, what are your three key points? What are the three key things you want to establish in this game if you're the Rams coach? If I'm the Ram coach, one, we, we can't just give up big plays in the secondary. We got to tackle better. And Jalen Ramsey, you can't just be out there playing old willy-nilly and trying to bait quarterbacks or whatever he was doing. Play like a veteran, act like a veteran, 
and don't come up with all these excuses kind of like you don't care. That's one. The other thing, obviously, we need to shore up the offensive line in a way that we're just not letting a guy just get in unblocked. You know, when you're playing against good pass rushers, yeah, they're supposed to have some wins, but they're not supposed to win every time. Uh, We do that. And then I, I would like to see us, and I guess this is three and four, one, establish a little bit more of the running game, and let's not try to loop look for Cooper Cuff on every pass play where three and four guys are now draped on him. How about you? Well, I think I think key to this game, you know, I, this is not going to be a healthy offensive line. And in the past, we've criticized the Rams for using the passing game as the running game. I think they have to this weekend. I, I really think you do. I think you want to back off that defensive line a little bit by getting some short, quick passes out of there and, and really get them their head spinning as to what they need to do. Heck, that's what the Bills did to the Rams. Josh Allen did that all, all first half. Yes, he did. The Rams, you know, and they kind of set up the second half. Lots of quick, short passes, avoiding the pressure, and the Rams need to do a lot of the same thing. You know, you have some great route runners. The Rams don't have a lot of straight line speed as, at the receiver position, but they do have Excellent route runners. And to be able to get a lot of quick outs, a lot of ins, you know, heaven forbid they run a screen. Oh, my gosh. Okay. Um, a lot of quick, short stuff, back off that pass, which are getting then, and then work the, going to try and work the running game. I think that will change things. Um, I think it will change, change, change things a lot. This is not a great Falcons defense. They have strong corners, but they can move the football against them. And they can be run on, too. So I do think that it's just where are you establishing things first and setting the tone from there. Um, defensively, you, you got the right, you know, I, I did appreciate how Jalen Ramsey outright said like, we, they kicked our butts. But, you know, you've had, the, you know, the Super Bowl was his last game last year. Didn't have his best game there. Comes in right. this year. Right. Did, no, Josh Allen had a perfect rating against him. You know, something isn't right with, with Jalen Ramsey. Is he taking too many risks? Is he slowing down a step? Well, I, mean, I it's think possibly. Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of, you know, we say they use the term, he's got the bag. You know, I think a little bit is guys are really work willing to do the little things. But now with the amounts of money guys are making, they are really going out there thinking like, you know what? I'm not out here to get hurt. And so, and not that Ramsey was like in that position, but it's kind of like, hey, if I get beat, hey, not a big deal. Who are they going to put in front of me? And so I think sometimes with the enormous amount of money, it's almost like the threat of you having to go sit down on that sideline is non-existent because why are you going to pay that guy that type of money and now he's sitting on the sideline? Yeah. I mean, yeah, hey, I get you. And nonetheless, I mean, no matter what, that passing game has to be tighter. Um, pass defense will be tighter. They have to be. They're going to run. Cordero, Patterson, and Marcus Ringer, they're going to run. And they're going to try and hit the edges. So the pressure is going to be on the defensive line, the linebacking core as well. It's going to be a complete defensive performance because um, I, it's weird to say that when you have Marcus Barriott as your opposing quarterback. But the one thing they did really, really well against the Saints was mix it up. They had that running game going. 
and they have Mariota doing things that Tennessee never really, really did well with him. They wanted him to be a passer. They never let him be the scrambling quarterback, but Mariota does well when, you move, when he moves. And the Falcons used him very well last weekend. So, I mean, th- that's where this game, I think, will, will kind of turn with the Rams' defense. Are they able to do with the running game, the Falcons? I think they'll be okay. I'm curious as what's been going on in the in the safety section here. We, you know, we have Nick Scott winning the starting job, and and you have Taylor Rapp, and you know, geez, Fuller. I mean, yeah, Fuller. I mean, I'm just thinking, what's going on back there that is still kind of turning them? I'm, I'm, I keep waiting and waiting and waiting for Taylor Rapp to really kind of establish himself. I'm, I, he, I'm, and I'm talking about last week too, where he, man, the deep ball. You know what I'm talking about? Right, he's 35 right. yards away from the play, no yeah. safety help, none. Are you know you got to be there, but he gets caught in those situations a lot, a lot, and yeah, and so I'm for for the Rams to kind of have this on the death chart, at least this kind of tandem. Jordan Fuller has always been my guy once he really kind of established himself. In. But it really should have been Rap next to him. And yet it's Nick Scott who earned his way into that starting role. What is, what is Rap doing out there? What is what's kind of the goal with him? What role is he supposed to play? Because the role he played on Sunday was, well, not a good one. Yeah, it's almost like he's, uh, you know, you get a guy in a trade. And they come over midseason and, you know, they're trying to learn the defense. And so, you know, it, it seems like he just always gets caught out of position. You know, he's a step late, two steps late. Uh, you know, guys are looking at him like, hey, man, you were supposed to be there. So I don't know if he's tr- putting too much pressure and he's trying to do more than what's being asked. And that's keeping him out of position. Uh but, yeah, it's just strange to see a guy who's playing in the secondary just look like after now being in his fourth year that he's still learning a whole lot to play the position. Yeah, so. But, hey, we got to get our sponsors here. So, yeah, sponsors want to talk with us or talk with you, that is. So, check them out. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, so we do have a guest, Aaron Freeman from Locked on Falcons. 
We would love you to get some feedback later because we like having him on, man. He we, he's all he's knowledgeable. When you hear him talk about this Falcons team, you're gonna be like, oh, okay. So check it out. Here's Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons. All right, folks. Here's Aaron Freeman from the Locked On Falcons podcast, and I gotta tell you, he's been our regular. He's our go-to guy for the Falcons. I love having him on. Always has a good conversation for us. Always has good information for us. I mean, back from playoff games or whatever, and now years, years later, we still bring him on. Aaron, interesting week for week one. How are you holding up? I'm doing well. Uh, I thought the Falcons gave me 75% of good things to focus on in that Saints loss, and then the 25% that weren't so good, I'm, I'm just going to try to ignore. So I just focus on the 75%, and I, I feel better. You feel better. Well, 27-26 loss. I remember kind of tracking it throughout the day. I was watching a different game and, and thinking, okay, they're, they're killing the Saints, and, and this is the next opponent. Maybe they're better than we thought they were. And then the fourth quarter happens. So I guess, I mean, I know it's early. It's kind of, maybe it's a silly question to ask, but who are the Falcons? Are they, are they that team we saw in the first three quarters, or are they the team we saw in the fourth quarter? Yeah, that's the big question. Uh, I don't have a, a great answer for you uh, on that front. And I guess we'll... we'll have a better idea come Sunday because uh, I think that fourth quarter team looked like the same old Falcons from a year ago. Uh, you know, particularly struggling defensively, giving up some uh, explosive plays, and, and sort of letting the Saints uh, march right down the field at relative ease to to come back and, and pull that game off. Uh, but the Falcons we saw in the first three quarters, uh, the thing that really stood out was you saw a pass rush. They had four sacks. Uh, in this game against the Saints when they only had 18 the entire year. So they're pretty much on pace to to blow uh, away what they were able to put out there a year ago. Their offensive line, which really struggled last year, gave up the most hits in the NFL with 130 last season, only gave up one hit, gave up zero sacks, and they were able to have one of the best running games uh, that we've seen this Falcon team have in a number of years. I think the last time they had like a 200-plus yard rushing game, I think was in either like 2018 or 2017 or maybe 2016. So uh, going back several years. So hopefully uh, that team that showed up in the first three quarters is a team that we see on a regular basis. That's a team that, um, contrary to a lot of expectations, including my own, was a team that you know had some strength uh, in the trenches, which we thought was going into the season was going to be their most glaring weakness. Um, but uh, then in the fourth quarter, things didn't necessarily uh, go their way. So hopefully that fourth quarter team does not show up uh, again this year. Now, when you, when you look at your opponent, the Rams, and you consider how they perform in week one and the things you saw, how do the Falcons match up with them? Yeah, I think the Rams looked a lot more vulnerable um, than I think a lot of people expected them to be. I, I went into that game expecting the Bills to win, but I did not expect them to win as handily as they did uh, in that game. I think the thing that you like about the Falcons in terms of this matchup is the Rams' offensive line right now looks like it's a mess. Um, and, you know, the Falcons coming off of the game that they came off of and, and considering that this pass rush and this defensive line needs as much help as it can get, um, you know, that's a favorable matchup. I think outside of that, I don't know if the Falcons will be able to exploit the Rams in the same ways as the Bills did. I thought the Bills did an excellent job using their quick passing game um, to sort of slow down that Rams pass rush. 
uh, and just kind of, you know, as uh, one coach would say, matriculate the ball down the field uh, with that sort of quick passing game rather than relying on the big explosive play, which the Bills were known uh, for doing, although they did get their share of those plays in the game. But, um, you know, I don't know if that's really something the Falcons can repeat, given that that's not really a strength of, of Marcus Mariota. Uh, the strength of the Falcons offense based off of what they did in week one, as well as sort of what they want to be from an identity standpoint is running the football and utilizing that play action uh, passing attack. It worked very effectively for them against the Saints. We'll see if they, it works well for them against the Rams, given that the Rams have a really good run defense and have had one for several years. Now, then again, the Saints had a really good run defense um, in last year, and, and they sort of exposed that in week one. Uh, so we'll see if the Falcons can make it two for two um, this season. But I, I think that's going to be the key for them. And and hopefully their defense can get off to a, a good start. And hopefully the Rams can, you know, stop, um, come out of the gates a, a little sluggish maybe. Because I think the, the thing that would very easily get the Falcons and force them to have to abandon their game plan is if the Rams get off to a fast start. If they were to get out to a 10 nothing or 14 nothing lead. I don't know if the Falcons would be as committed to running the football uh, and that would get them in trouble with a, a certain player who wears the number 99 uh, over in L.A. And what is a game plan for dealing with him? And, and Bobby, Le- Bobby Lightner right behind him on, on the, the linebacking core. You know, if you're, if you're the Mariota-led offense right now, what are you focusing on? I think you're focusing on running football. I think, you know, you, you use a lot of play action um, that can sort of keep him from pinning his ears back although you know the way that he likes to play and the way that i think the rams want him to play is they want him to be that sort of attacking player uh regardless of whether the team is running the football or throwing the football uh whether he gets that penetration uh, against the run or you know is able to do so uh by pressuring the quarterback uh so i don't know if that's going to be as effective slowing him down as it would be uh for a number of, of defenses and, and and defensive linemen um, but I, I think, you know, utilizing uh, the, the mobility of your quarterback and, and rolling things away from Aaron Donald um, with some of those bootlegs and whatnot, I think will be a, a key part of the Falcons game plan. But it's really a situation with Aaron Donald is you, you can't really stop him. You can only hope to contain him. Um, so if the Falcons can find ways to attack this Rams defense away from his side of the field, that will be benefiting him. But those things are easier said than done because. We've seen so many teams try to do that, and, and they haven't been had, had a lot of success over the years. So, uh, as I said, easier said than done. Now, there was the the kind of elephant in the room at the end of the game last week was the fact that Jalen Ramsey got demolished by the Bills' offense. And is there any kind of matchup that you like trying to challenge him as well? Yeah, I mean, if the Jalen Ramsey of the last couple of games shows up, I, I do like the Falcons matchups that that will you know be guys like Drake London, that'll be guys like Kyle Pitts, um, and so you know those are the types of receivers, um, you know that or at least we believe here in Atlanta that those are the caliber of receivers have the potential to be the caliber of receivers that have given Jalen Ramsey as as many problems um, as he has had these last couple of weeks, uh, so. I do like that matchup. Uh, if if we get the bad version of Jalen Ramsey, obviously that's kind of one of the big questions surrounding the Rams is the last couple of games where he struggled. Is this kind of the new normal for him, or is this just kind of sort of a, a lull that he's in and he'll 
snap him, himself out of that uh, shortly. So uh, I do like that matchup, but um, you know he is one of the best corners in the league for a reason, and so he may just bounce back and and, and look like the Jalen Ramsey of old, who is uh, arguably the best corner in the league. Although Falcon fans would certainly uh, counter that argument with AJ Terrell last season, although AJ Terrell is coming off a rough performance where Michael Thomas got the better of him. Uh, in that fourth quarter as a big part of why the Saints were able to come back. But uh, he's also looking for a bounce-back game. So we'll, we'll, someone will be able to declare themselves the better of the two after Sunday's matchup, and I'm looking forward to see which one of those two. Now, you mentioned the, the Rams' offensive line struggle. How does that Falcons' offensive line match up against them? I think favorably. Um, you know, I, I think Grady Jarrett is their main guy. Um, and, you know, he's going to be rushing on the interior where the Rams are sort of shuffling things around. This week, David Edwards is coming off one of the worst games he's probably ever had in his career, um, and, and that's often the side of the defensive line that Grady Jarrett lines up on against that left guard. So that's a favorable matchup. Of course, the Falcons did a great job putting Jalen, I mean, I'm sorry, uh, Grady Jarrett at nose tackle a couple of times last week, and he was able to generate there. So I think he'll be able to also take advantage of Coleman Shelton, uh, who I, from what I understand, will be moving to center uh, with Brian Allen in. Uh, I think that's a favorable matchup. And then, of course, you know, the, the new starter at the right guard position, uh, Ankrum, if I'm not mistaken, uh, you know, they would love to get Grady Jarrett matched up against him. Um, and then at the edge rushers position, you have Arnold Ebiketti and Lorenzo Carter. Lorenzo Carter, probably the more proven of the two. Ebiketti's got a lot of potential, a lot of upside, and, and got his first sack um, of his career in week one. And I think I saw a stat. I can't remember exactly what it was, but someone said that it was like the first time in like 30 years that a, a Falcons rookie got a sack in his first game. So that's a very promising start. And I think they, they'll have some success attacking some of the question mark at the position, particularly with no boom coming off a, a rough game. And a, from what I understand, he's a little beat up as well. So there's a chance he, he may not play in this game from what I understand. But even if he does play, if, if we see a repeat of what we saw against Buffalo, again, Lorenzo Carter and Arnold Abkitty aren't on Von Miller's level, but I certainly think they'll be able to allow him to have another rough day. Uh, and if they can do that, then I, I do think this Falcons pass rush, even given the relatively low expectations we had going into the season, could certainly rise up and, and have a good day on Sunday. Now, how does the Falcons secondary match up with the Rams off wide receivers? Yeah, I mean, the strength of the Falcons secondary is their outside corners. It didn't, you know, don't watch the fourth quarter <laughs> last week. Uh, uh, you wouldn't see that. But, um, you know, outside of that, they they were really good. As I said, A.J. Terrell, uh, one of the best corners in the league last year. Um, and they picked up Casey Hayward uh, to play opposite of him. He also gave up a big play late in that game. Uh, but other than that, he was, he was lots out uh, in the first three quarters. Um, and so that's kind of the strength of the Falcons secondary. Um, but obviously the strength of the Rams passing attack is Cooper Cup, who primarily lines up in the slot, and that's where the Falcons have the big question mark. Uh, Isaiah Oliver, who was expected to be their nickel corners on IR and will miss a couple more games, uh, and his replacement, um, they actually had two replacements last week in Mike Ford, who's more of a career special teams player, and D. Alford, who's a player that was kind of their training camp MVP who they picked up from the CFL uh, this past offseason. Um, and those guys kind of split reps. But what was notable to me was that the majority of Alfred snaps came when they played man coverage and the majority of Ford snaps came when they played zone coverage. So it was very clear, at least in week one, that the Falcons, you know, depending on what their defensive play call is, like one corner of those slot corners over the other. 
And the thing when you face the Rams is typically teams play a lot of zone coverage against them because of how effective they were last year against man coverage. And a lot of that was due to how cool was a year ago. Um, and so if that continues to be the case and the Falcons decide they want to play zone, that probably means they'll be putting their lesser corner in Mike Ford up against Cooper Cup. And I don't know if that's uh, a recipe for success, but we'll just sort of have to see. And that's why I think it's so important that the Falcons pass rush can get home at the quarterback to, uh, you know, that will probably be their best defense against guys like Cup and, and some of the other weapons that the Rams have. At the safety position, the Falcons have two new starters in Richie Grant and Jalen Hawkins. They were fine in their first game, didn't make a ton of like big time impact sort of game changing plays. But the hope is that, you know, as they get more experience as starters after a year of sort of being part time players, um, that you'll start to see a little bit more of that moving forward. But I, I do think they should find in their individual matchups, particularly Hawkins, uh, you know, covering the tight end uh, where he'll probably have a little bit more responsibility where Grant tends to play a little bit deeper. Uh, as, as that sort of single high safety. Um, so I, I think Higby can create some problems for, you know, any number of safeties in this league, but I, I think, um, you know, Hawkins is good enough that it won't be too, too big an issue. All right, so final question. Who you got? Um, I'm expecting the Rams to, to win this one. I'm expecting the Rams to have a rebound performance and look more like the team that I think a lot of people thought they would be, which is a team that you know should be a playoff team and, and potentially in the running to win that division and possibly you know going back to the Super Bowl. Uh, you know I, I don't expect them to be that fully formed version of that team uh, in week two, like that we saw at the end of the season. But I do expect them to have a little bit of a rebound performance. I do kind of expect the Falcons to fall back down to earth a little bit. I expect them um, to be a lot more competitive in this game than I think probably anybody was willing to give them credit more than a week ago. I think everybody you know, eight days ago was thinking, oh, the Rams will absolutely roll over the Falcons and blow them out in this game. And I don't necessarily know if that will be the case. Uh, but my sort of official prediction is probably like a 27-16 win um, for the Rams. But I do think despite, uh, you know, 11-point difference, I, I do think this game will probably look a lot closer uh, on the field than it does on the scoreboard. All right. Well, thanks so much. When people know they can find you. Yep, people can check me out on Twitter if they like snarky tweets about the Atlanta Falcons at Falcfans. It's F A L C F A N S. And of course, you can find my audio and video content on a daily Sunday through Friday on the Lockdown Falcons podcast, free and available on all your podcast platforms as well as on YouTube. At, at the chuckle there, because when you, you say snarky, you're not lying. <laughs> you're not lying at all. You have a very fun <laughs> feed. And man, hey, good luck on the rest of your season. Thanks so much for joining us today. And- And take care. Appreciate you having me there. All right, so there you go, Aaron Freeman. He's calling for a Rams win about 27-16-ish. He thinks the Rams will play a little bit better. It'll be a closer game on the field than the score shows. But, you know, a Rams win. I'm wondering how you're feeling right now. Because... I always rely on the fact that you played the game. You know how the game works. You see things differently than anybody else. How are you feeling about the Rams against a young, upstart Falcons team, rebuilding Falcons team, at home, coming off what essentially was a horror performance against a really, really good 
probable Super Bowl contender in the Buffalo Bills. Well, it you know, you would like to think being at home is an advantage. But again, you have given not just the Bills, but the league somewhat of a blueprint on what to do to you. So as you noted earlier, uh, they're going to try to establish the run. We're going to need to do better in shoring up the run. You know, I saw some of those corners. Those guys weren't trying to come up. Every time they bounced outside, it ended up being somewhat of a big run. I'm like, okay. But again, I attribute a lot of that to not playing in preseason and really getting your banging in. So that being said, in order for our Rams to win, again, they're going to need to shore up on the defense. They're going to need to have some ball control on the offense. And, you know, you just always need to score points when you're in the red zone and not just field goals with points. But that's been something, Derek, you know, throughout this year so far, and even college, field goal kickers are getting sent on their way packing Colts kicker, you know, because guys are just missing field goals right now. So I don't know what's going on. Uh, if they're, like, getting more opportunities early on and they're not ready. Uh, but I just think, ultimately, we got to spread that ball around on the offensive side. and we got to make sure we're not just letting – uh, the Falcons sustain drives when we're out there on defense. So, prediction? Go for it. <laughs> My prediction this week is going to be a little more tame. I'm saying, you know, Rams 17, Falcons 14, we went on a field goal. I'm similar. I have the Rams 24-17, 24-16-ish. Um, I I don't see the offense breaking out right now. There's too many things going on the offensive line. And by the way, for the second straight week, I, I'm going to say I hope I'm wrong. I'm hoping the there's a reason why they relied on this group. Because it, there were moves out there that they could make to shore up that offensive line. They didn't really do it. They let guys go. They didn't really do much with it in the draft. They had free agents that would have signed easily for cheap. And they chose not. They chose to rely on the on this group, this group. So I'm hoping they see something that we don't see. And it was just a rough opening in because, like in 2019, they didn't play the starters. Watch yeah. no boom. Watch no yeah, boom. Plays. I'm going to throw a. This could be a hot take. Do you think that they would try to lure a Whitworth out of retirement? Depends on how long Joe's out, honestly. I mean, I think they, it's possible. I mean, he's still hanging around the team. And when we saw him last, he, he did look in pretty decent shape. But, you know, there are guys out there on the free agent market still that can come in and help you. And that's not just a left tackle. Right. So, I mean, there, there were issues all over that offensive line. Oh, and, <laughs> yeah, and we they, saw that at the end of last year as well. They didn't have a running game in the Super Bowl. They didn't have a running game for much of the back end of the year. We this is an offensive line that did not get a whole lot of running game push. This was a team that found a way, and that's one thing I love about that group of guys is that they found a way. Well, they got to find a way now, and it's without you know Austin Corbett who's in Carolina, and it's without Andrew who retired. They got to find a way. 
So I don't know, man. I, I, I think that you have to consider it, but they're going to have to pay him to come out of retirement. You, they're going to they're gonna pay him. And he might not want to do this. There's a reason why the guy retired. You, you, what person on earth would love the opportunity to retire Super Bowl champion? Oh, if absolutely. Possible. Absolutely. And, you, you know, who wants to get banged up when you, you know, didn't get, you know, too banged up last year, didn't seem. Yeah, you wouldn't want to definitely come back and then, you know, end up with some crazy injury when you could have, again, you know, he's played a number of years. Uh, I'm sure done pretty well with the uh, the finances. So, yeah, I mean, unless you just have a super love for the game like a Tom Brady, I think he's just kind of overzealous at this point. But that's, you know, your choice. But, yeah, I just think, you know, because poor David Evers, you know, a couple times they just ran roughshod over him at guard. And I'm like, whoa, you just can't just get backed up into the quarterback like that. So, well, I, mean, I think some of it's just purely. I think some is just purely the fact the fact this is their first full right. action, and Absolutely. these are guys who have, have not been starters. Some of it is just like a rookie quarterback adjusting to the speed of the game. I'm sure of it. But the thing that concerned me last year, the same thing concerns me this year. They're not getting push at the line, right? That running game push. That's a strength thing. You want big maulers up there. You want mean maulers up there. And I think the complaint we've always had about the offensive line is they don't have a whole lot of those guys. Yet you have Henderson and Akers, who if given space, these guys can easily be 1,000-yard rushers. They are good with the ball in their hands. Right. Just open some holes. I really believe that. I really believe that. They're not scrubs. No doubt, no doubt. So, all right. It is time for us to go. My predictions can be 24-16. You got 17-14. I think we both agree that the Rams are not scoring a whole lot of points this weekend. And I hope we're wrong. Right. We're dead wrong. (laughs) I hope it's like a 45-10 game and the Rams come out there and put all these concerns at ease. You know, one thing I think, just one question to ponder as we get ready to get out of here. There's always been that whole Super Bowl hangover. For the Rams, will be real? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's it's always real. And, and, and it's maybe not so much a hangover as opposed to other teams are just going to try to knock you off that much more. And so you put all those things together. Unfortunately, you get a couple guys nicked here, a couple guys nicked there. And the next thing you know, you're having one of those seasons. So... Prayerfully, it won't be one of those, and hopefully they bounce back this weekend and get it done. Get her done. Let's go. All right. You can find us on Twitter at TalkRams. You can find Mike on Twitter at 1Duke23, me at DC Apollo. You can find the podcast pretty much anywhere podcasts can be found. Time for us to get out of here. From Mike and the entire team, we'll see you Sunday. See you soon. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. 
My Patriot Supply has helped over 3 million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour three-month emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com.